0: It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia on a Tuesday. Uh, We did an Always Soccer on Thursday, so how about that? We actually did two of them in the span of one week. How about that? Ain't that something? I got Sean Brace on the phone with me from phillyinfluencer.com, Fox 29, and the Union Soccer Podcast. Sean, what's good, man?
1: Kevin, 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 Kevin. Oh, man, Uh, another loss, and this one just was stung a little bit at home. You know, it was a lot of coming to the building, uh, the weather was terrible, but, you know, we're going to talk about it, but that's what's on my mind. It's, it's just another frustrating loss for the union, but, you know, they sting a little bit more when they're at it.
0: First things first, sorry it took me until episode 53 to get you on the podcast, and, uh... <laughs> that smells good. <laughs> I, didn't get tan- I didn't get, here, get tansy... But, man, thank you very I, much. <laughs> I didn't get tansy on until, like, episode 40-something, so, uh... You know, now we have both of you guys on here. Um, did I get all of them, too? Philly Influencer, oh, yeah. Fox nine. Oh, yeah. So There's yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing yeah. else that you got your hand in here?
1: No, that's great. And you're going to have to add one very soon, so that's a little... A little breadcrumb I'm dropping
0: you, but. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We'll remove one and we'll add one. I'm pretty sure. about we'll remove
0: that. Remove one and we'll add one. Hey, well, we man. will be. Um, uh, we'll be looking all, forward to all that. All about
1: the grind, you know that. It's all about the
0: grind. Oh, I know you. Are. I was. I was right there with you. But, <laughs> but I feel like. Uh, I feel like I can finally pay back. For those who don't know, Sean was one of the very first people to. Uh, to get me on. Uh, one of the the radio stations in town and we did uh like a two of those podcasts uh for for 97.5 back in the day so thank you for doing that by the way and now i feel like i can finally have you on one of my shows you know
1: my brother man all good and that was a uh that was the previous world cup the one that usa was actually in it we had a good time yeah that. and every single year man my passion for this game has just been elevated and it was a, it was an interesting one i know you had. Have- some fun conversations with the people but one one of the first guys that ever caught my attention that made me like uh his game to the point that i was like whoa i uh, was locked on you know i was locked on backed it up he he had an ego the size of a of the empire state building but his skills were just tremendous and i i loved everything about that guy man and so i was I was happy to see him make the trip uh, over to Philly and on top of that play and play really hard as well.
0: Well, yeah, so you're kind of perfect for this topic then because when you started coming down to talent or started paying attention to soccer or the union, you you came into it as a guy who was – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had been an Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, whatever the hell type of dude and then sort of came around to soccer um, – you know, after the union had been around for a couple of years, right? I mean, do I have your sort of fandom, correct?
1: Correct. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it just the game one by one, really. Uh, and I've, I've been on record. I've said it all along. And I, I I don't hide any embarrassment behind it. But FIFA played a huge role. And, yeah. Uh, FIFA was able to put the faces with the names. Like, I've known all along of these guys. But, you know, then it expanded to, to learn the teams and learn the leagues and, and faces with the names and who's actually good. So, uh, you know, once that really happened, and and I I don't know, man. I grew, and baseball kind of changed on me. It wasn't really all that exciting. The Sixers were stinking. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, like I just wanted something new, something different. But I absolutely put it in my veins, man. The World Cup, I'm I'm like, I'm hurting. I'm hurting we don't have it anymore. That was like (laughs) the greatest couple weeks I've had in a long time, man. Love every minute of that. Of that World Cup action that we just had, but I'm really, really uh, into the game, man. Love it, and uh, including the Union M- MLS, and really want to see that grow as much as possible.
0: So, okay, so that so when you see, obviously, I think you retweeted one or two of the things that I was rambling about the oh, yeah. other day with this Latin shit. but you've you've got a unique perspective on it. So, I mean, when, when you you know see the same shots of the crowd that I see on TV, and you see all these people there with. Zlatan, PSG, and Manchester United jerseys and stuff like that who were cheering louder for L.A. than the Union. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. What what was your generic takeaway from the makeup of the crowd and, and, and how the Zlatan and the L.A. people kind of compared with with the Union people who were there? I mean, it was a really good crowd for a, yeah. for a rainy and crappy game, and, and it's kind of unfortunate and such a Union type of thing that, of course, it friggin' rained. Uh, you know it kept some people away but like you as a as a relative newcomer to the sport who likes the foreign game and the union i mean what was your sort of judgment on this Latan thing
1: well i'll be honest you know it's one of the things that you started putting out you know uh, a couple years ago and just speaking about the importance of how yeah we understand that the mls and for the most part that really irks me that I, I don't know many MLS fans that would say it's like one of the greatest leagues out there. For the most part, I think the majority of MLS fans know how good the league is and essentially what the league needs to do to get better. Um, you know, gr- granted, there's always going to be some extremists on, on, on each side, but you get the, the majority of us and we're not trying to make out the MLS out to be as good as the EPL or, or Bundesliga. And nobody's trying to say that, but it, 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 it's what you always say, it's your line. It's our shitty league, okay, and that's why we gotta support it. Uh, so I never really looked at it until so you started putting that out there a couple of years ago, and it makes perfect sense. If we want to see, if hang on, uh, sorry, I just got this uh, this uh, damn thing to my phone. I apologize. Oh, that's all right. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So if, if we want to see the game grow in the MLS, uh, and we complain about USA not making the World Cup, and like all these mouth breeders always got something negative to say. It's more important for our league to be, to, to, to grow than ever. And, and that's one of the things yeah. that you started putting out there off the jump. And, um, you know, I understand for people out there that might be Rooney fans and man, you fans, and I got to go see him, but bottom line, it's silly. And, and you know, it's exactly what you said about the Golden State Warriors. And I understand the Warriors started out in Philly and all that. I get that. Yeah. But when I see Steph Curry jerseys all over the place and Klay Thompson jerseys, I'm looking at, like, there's no way these kids are from San Francisco or the Bay Area. No, They no. need to be cheering on the 76ers. And that's how it is with the MLS.
0: But why do we – but, Sean, why do we – see, like, I, I tried to reiterate to people that, like, that's how Philly – looks at it. Now, I mean, that's not to say that everybody, every city looks at fandom that way or defines fandom that way. And I'm not like, I, I don't want it to be like, I'm the fucking like sports fandom tribunal. Like it's Sean Brace and Kevin Kincaid are sitting up at a, at a, at the dais and you have to come before us and you have to explain why you're a Cowboys or an Eagles <laughs> Eagles fan. And we will like, we'll determine we'll hand down our ruling as to whether you're like a legitimate fan or not. Right. I mean, like that's not what I'm trying to do, but Philly is a, parochial town and like it's just it's not that we we want to tell people what they can do and what they can't do we just see it as like fake yeah you know it's like corny i've always i've always tried to justify that by saying to people like like i don't i feel like you have a connection to a team geographically and culturally and, and, like, you know, you go year after year of watching the Eagles with your uncles or your aunts or your family or getting together, and your freaking grandma makes the same tater tots every time for 10 years. And you have these connections to sports that go beyond sports. And you can't build that necessarily if you're like an Arsenal fan who's never been to London and never had like a friggin' meat pie or whatever the hell. You know what I mean? Like, it just. Oh, I totally.
1: I totally understand what you mean. And I'll even take it a step further and say. For my uh, for my situation, I wasn't born here. I took my dad's teams, and he was born in North Jersey, and I wasn't born in Philly. And I grew up in Scranton, kind of no man's land, New York, Pittsburgh, yeah, little melting pot. And I always looked at Philly as like Philly wouldn't want me. Philly Philly was like. Yeah. So if, if, you know, and, and if, if my wife and I were, were lucky to have a child, well, am I going to. No, you're going to raise him a Philadelphia sports fan. If you live in the city, you better raise him a sportsman. Why yeah. would you want to make him go through life supporting some team, you know, say if I was a Cowboy fan? How could you <laughs> look, you know, like you're going to be a Cowboy fan, son, because I was and dad was? How is that the right way to go about it?
0: <laughs> I No, I get it. Like, if you're, uh, you know, if your mom, like, knows of, uh, you know, Daryl Johnston personally or, like, yeah. was in lived in his college dorm or something. Like, I, I get it. And, it, like if you like you said, you give the Scranton example, but you moved down here and you developed a career down here, and now you're just as, as much a part of this city and this culture as anybody is. I it's, try to be,
1: man. It, and that's, that's what it, you know, and, and like you said, different folks are different folks, and I don't want to sit here saying, you need to be this. But bringing it back to the MLS, it's more important than any other sport. It, you know, and, and like I said, I bring, I say the, the mouth breathers. Those people are so fast and so quick to criticize American soccer or the World Cup or where we stand. And it's just like you know, oh yeah, the MLS sucks. <laughs> so you you got to realize what you're saying there. You know, you can you can make somewhat of a difference. I'm not saying that you, you're the end all be all, but if you would show up at a Union game or or. or care to learn the roster or start learning about the mls and 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 realize the importance of of the growth of that league and what it leads to uh you know team usa you know it's, it's a no-brainer so it took me a little while to understand that i definitely got to give you credit on that because you were one of the first people to actually put that out there second level thinking as a former host that i used to work for says uh, <laughs> so you know i gotta give it up and, and it's so true it's so true but you know, the MLS, to me, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it on TV. I enjoy getting out to Union games. And, I, you know, like Martinez in Atlanta is a great story. Uh, you know, I can go down the list. There's, there's yeah. great talent in NYFC. There's great talent in Toronto. Uh, you know, LAFC. You know, I would have no problem with this league whatsoever. And I would never sit here and look somebody straight in the face and say it's something comparable to the EPL or Bundesliga or something
0: like that. So two, I have two more thoughts on this thing and then we can move it on. But, you know, number one, it, I've, I've always said that, you know, Americans talking shit about American soccer does nothing to improve American soccer. And oh, great, great. I, I, know, I know that people will point to like those guys, like the photo I shared of those like jabronis in the crowd with the Zlatan PSG and man United jerseys and the guy next to him wearing like a cowboy, like or a New York giants bucket hat and like a temple long sleeve, which I found to be an interesting combination, but people will say like, we need those people. A- and it's true. Like why, why I've always said that, like the struggle for, for soccer respectability in this city is not necessarily me trying to convince like Glenn Mac you know, like I love Glenn, but I'm not going to try to convince Glenn to be a soccer fan I think sure. that the easier target is going up to fanboy guy, uh, who's at Arsenal versus West Brom at Misconduct Tavern at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning because I already know that he likes the sport. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so there's 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 layers here. Like it's you have soccer fans who dislike MLS and non soccer fans in general. And my first layer of attack my first approach would be to uh liberate the fanboy from his his way of thinking you know what i mean now the i se- i totally agree yeah the second Great. half of that the second half of that goes hand in hand with it actually which is somebody brought this up on twitter but like like you remember Sean when uh, alan iverson went to uh, Blah blah blah. Where where the hell did he go? Like Turkey didn't he go to play in Turkey for like a half a year somewhere?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, sure.
0: Do you remember do you remember what the crowds looked like when he like when he went over there when he got off the plane or when he showed up to sign his contract? Like they oh, yeah. They, yeah. they yeah. were
1: packed in. Everybody was going nuts.
0: Yeah, yeah, they were all over him. So like I'm sitting here thinking, like, if I'm Turkish and I'm a, like a uh, basketball fan. I know obviously that watching LeBron and Steph Curry at four in the morning is the best that I can watch. But I think most of those people over there are still going to watch like Task basketball or Fenerbahce basketball or something. I don't think they have the same attitude as the, the Euro snob over here. I don't, do they have American snobs over there who are like, I'm not going to watch Greek basketball because it's shit. I'm only going to yeah. watch the NBA. I don't know if that person exists.
1: I, I, I would, I would agree with you. I don't think that they're like, oh, I'm not watching, you know, it, 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 our local teams because I'm a I'm a LeBron fan. I totally agree with you on that one. You're right.
0: Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I've always just found that interesting. Maybe I need to go to Istanbul and do like a long form like research or something like that.
1: Yeah, man. Tell uh, <laughs> tell Kyle to cut the check. Put you on first class. Do it. Yeah. I just want to I just <laughs> want to go on record and say that I do own both. Lots on PSG jersey and man new jersey i just want to go on record and say that too
0: <laughs> that's all right yeah but but listen this is what i'm saying like sean you're like most people who probably listen to this podcast and also listen to your guys podcast who they will wake up and watch like the premier league or el Clasico on a saturday but they're also they'll also watch a union game too you know that's all we're asking for we're not asking for anybody to say that the union are like the best fucking team of all time because we all know that they aren't we're just saying that we just want a little acknowledgement, and respectability that you do have a team here. I mean, that's not too much to ask, is it?
1: It's, no, it's not. And coming from a guy who does sports on Fox twenty nine, and I cut, you know, we come up with what we're talking about. I, you know, it's it, it, for you not to mention the union, for you not to show the highlights, and it's tough when they lose and it's, they get shut out. You know, you can you can almost move away from it, but you'll still mention it. You know, you're going out of your way to not give the attention that this team deserves, and that's what irks me. It's just like it should be everywhere. It's ours. And and, and the second thing I'll say is, you know, granted, the product on the field is mediocre. It's middle of the path. And, you know, the, the last couple seasons hasn't been anything special. They did make the playoffs the one year, yeah, so on and so forth. But uh, to me, I still think the game is pretty darn good, and, and I, I enjoy I like Jim Curtin, but, and, and I love the, the, the stadium. Like, get out to a game, and and you will have a good time. If you don't, you're just a miserable SOB. That's all there is to it.
0: Yeah, I'll wrap this up with one final thought. This was shared um, from a guy named Andrew on Twitter. He said that when Steven Gerrard came to Talon, whenever it was, last year or the year before, um, they were both Liverpool fans, Steven Gerrard fans, but they showed up. Um, maybe wearing unique—I don't know—they didn't say what gear they were wearing, but they just—they carried their Steven Gerrard jerseys with them, and then they just sought him out after the game to get an autograph. You know, but they didn't put the jerseys on during the game and cheer against the union. And I thought that just seemed like such common sense to me. You know, I mean, yeah, like I'm I, I, si- yeah, yeah I'm not- I would
1: never, ever, ever, ever think about it. And it, you know, I even held off discussing it because we had the the, the, the beginning conversation of the year when Zlatan came over, Joe Tanzi went on record and said he was only going to score five to six goals. Vegas no. Vegas set me under over at 22. Wow. 22 MLS goals for his I said he'd score 12. He's at 12 right now. I said, if he scores 20-plus, we're building a statue of him downstairs in my basement. I think we're going to have to start breaking out <laughs> content oil and start erecting a statue of Zlatan. on. Yeah. That's how nasty he is. But. Never, 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 never. No, you wear the union gear. You you support the union team. If you want to get a picture with them afterwards, I don't that, have a problem with that. I'm sure players did. I'm sure there was a couple of union players that got a picture with them afterwards.
0: But, oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. During yeah.
1: the game, cheer for the U. That's all there is to
0: it. Yeah. All right. So anyway, speaking of the U, I mean, you know, they're one nothing going into halftime. Then they give up three second half goals. I mean, I just it wasn't an amazing hot take or anything that I had after the game. But they're just they just don't have it, Sean. You know what I mean? Like they don't. They had chances to prove themselves against some good teams at home. They lost two nothing to Toronto, lost two nothing to Atlanta, and they lost three to one, three to one to LA. So I, I, I mean, I feel like this team's hit its ceiling. Do you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, and when we had the giant, the uh, everybody get together for a gigantic podcast in Jersey, I said that the union's better stalkers in front of them, but and that may be so against mediocre teams, teams middle of the pack, but they're just not able to compete with these top dogs. And, and that's frustrating and that's upsetting because ultimately, you know, if they were to, to backdoor their way into the playoffs, which very well could happen, uh, you know, what are they going to do? You know, it's,
0: it's yeah. hey,
1: they made the playoffs again. That's great. But, you know, I, I just, I don't know. This season this is going to be tough down the stretch here. And um, you know, If they don't make the playoffs, I would imagine that there's going to be changes made from top to bottom. If they do make the playoffs, I still might see some changes being made from top to bottom. Uh, but, you know, I thought that they definitely would step up and play a little bit better at home against L.A., and they got smoked 3-1. to one. And I read an article a little earlier that said L.A. wasn't anything good, so that means the union aren't good. I disagree with that. I think L.A. is playing a little bit better ball, give them a little bit, better, uh, a little bit more credit as, as we speak. They're fourth in the Western Conference. I think uh, their last seven games, I, well, I forget what it is, but they've tallied up some points over their last couple games. And I think they're a good squad that have some players and a stud legs lockdown. down. I mean, how much of a difference maker is he out there? You give him a second, and he's slipping the ball through your two 19-year-old defenders for, a, for an assist. Yeah. Where you, you know, they don't step out him on the box. The next thing you know, he's, pat, he's firing a past Andre Blake from about 12 feet out. Uh, you know, L.A.'s a good team. I just think the Union are a middle of the rope team, and, and I think we know what we're going to get at this point
0: in time. Here's my comparison to what the union are this year. I, I, I mean, I feel like they're like a flyers team from a couple years ago, which is to say that like, they have some nice players, right? Like Boric Dojka is a nice player. Alejandro Bedoya is a nice player. Uh, Harris Medunian is a nice player, you know, but, but, but I don't like the same way that like, um, you know, whoever the hell they, ha- I mean, like before, like Sean Couturier and like Jake Voracek became better players or whatever. It's just like sort of like you're looking at both of these teams saying like, who's the, who's the guy? Yep. you know, like like I don't I don't see like a Alex Ovechkin on this team. No, you know, I don't see like a, uh, a Nikita Kucherov. Nope. I don't know how I ca- I don't know how I came into NHL comparisons.
1: But- <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. And the problem now, I'm I'm getting a little doomsday is. I just don't know when it changes. Like, what are we going to do to, to get a guy, you know, I mean, I, I, for lack of a better example, but, like, how could we land a Martinez? You know, first of all, the scouting department has to, to, to have enough, uh, you know, elements to go and get him. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I, I don't know what's going on there, but it just seems bare bones with Chris Albright. and I'm not trying to place blame at his feet, but, you know, he can only do so much. Uh, you know, and then it, the, the price tag that it costs to get some of these guys. You know, it's just what is going to change for the union over the years? Granted, they got this nice system. The academy looks good. They got some young guns. Now, now Joe Tanzi, my partner on the podcast, is telling me now you might want to sell them. I don't want to sell any. I, you know, I want I want good players on my team. I'm looking for a guy that can go out there and be that next-level type of player. Uh, like you said, I totally agree. They do have some good pieces Andre Blake in the goal I mean good pieces but good is not good enough and that's all there is to it and we expect more in this town in this city and anyone that doesn't they're looking at it the wrong way so the union man they they got to get back to the drawing board um I mean obviously if if crazier things happen this year and I'm wrong and they get into the playoffs and they win a game or two then I'll eat my words but at this point in time I'm just not seeing it and I don't know what's going to change next year or the future years. That's for sure.
0: All right. Let's finish the discussion with uh, glass half empty and glass half full. Um, The glass half empty to me is that they beat Chicago at home in the open cup semifinal, but then they go and lose to like LA or Houston in the final. Uh, Er Ernie Stewart leaves uh, at the end of the month. Um, they don't have a GM right away and whoever they do hire, they, you know, they don't make the playoffs. They finish like seventh or something like that. And then somebody comes in and fires Jim Curtin, uh, at the end of the season. I mean, does that sound realistic to you? Is that far fetched? I just kind of feel like that's the path that it's going down. It feels like 2014
1: and 2015. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. I really could. Chicago is going to be a tough game. I I don't think you know, like you said, you're you're just tossing out the you know what you're looking at. And I agree, Uh, but I think they could beat Chicago. They should beat Chicago. It's a home game, and in that road game, whoever they got to play in the championship, it's going to be tough. But yeah, I could see that happening, which would be the not third straight, but. Third, you know, uh, in what four or five years that they made it to the finals, yeah, and lost yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Open Cup. I know. Um, and then, yeah, exactly. Somebody comes in, new GM, and he brings in his own his own guy. And that's just that's just sports. And Jim knows it. He knows what he's up against. Um, you know, professional sports. General managers come in and they want to bring in their own guys. That's just the way it goes. Um, so hopefully we're wrong, and hopefully they are able to win the Open Cup championship. And then who knows after that? Maybe they get some. The momentum at, at the right time of the season, uh, but you know, I, I kind of seeing it the way you are right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess then the glass half full would be they, I guess, would be one or the other because I just I don't see them winning the Open Cup and then also making the playoffs because you're talking about then kind of, you know, by nature of that, if you're focusing for the Open Cup sure. final, you're not playing your starters the week before or after it probably. So I I, I don't know if you can make sixth place and win the open cup final, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, LA or Houston, I mean, I think they'd have a chance at Houston, but um, I don't know. Let me, let me wrap it up with this question for you. If the union win the open cup this year, um, is it a success? Does it change anything? Does it cure anything? I mean, like, or is it just sort of like a, Hey, we won our first trophy finally, but you know, everybody kind of knows that the problems are still going to be there.
1: Yeah, you you don't want to downplay that because they did win their first trophy. And and those two losses stung. They they stung. uh, The (laughs) Seattle loss at home and Kansas City, both of those losses really, really hurt. Um, So I I would love to see this team hoist the Open Cup trophy and all that comes with it. Um, But, yeah, I I just, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But, um, you know, if they were to win – the Open Cup, I think it would change some some people's minds, but the majority of the people just want to, to really compete for the MLS Cup. That's what it comes down to. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. I think the majority of people say the Open Cup is nice, it's great, it's a mid, mid-season tournament, if we're in it, let's win it. But at the end of the day, everybody wants MLS regular season success, and that I, count me in that, that, that group as well.
0: Sean Brace, com, Fox 29, and the Union Soccer Podcast with Joe Tanzi and Ryan Ellis. One of those will be going away and replaced by something else. Sean is going to let us know about that, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Sean, thanks for having me out to, um, to Double Nickel the other week. That was fun, man.
1: Awesome, Kevin. Anytime, man, you know that. And uh, definitely look forward to doing some future events and getting together. And, hell, oh, man, Sixers basketball is right around the corner, so – you're going to be back
0: to no sleep again. Pretty. <laughs> I'm going to be, be back to. Uh, I'm going to be back to Markel Faults horseshit. Uh, <laughs>
1: <shit. laughs> hey, he's going to be good this year. Watch out now.
0: I think so, but that's a different podcast for a different time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Exactly. Sean, thanks man. We'll do it again, all right? Awesome, Kev.
1: Thank you,
0: Peace. All right. Please. All right, it's time for your questions, comments, concerns, uh, bitching, whining, and complaining. And maybe Union Hulk will have something else that I completely stumble over and can't get out. Fill up my bladder from the Switzerland 7th Division. Uh, Josh from The Wonder Years, who I think is are touring right now. Or did they just come out with a new album? There's a billboard that I can see from my uh, from my house uh, that advertises their latest album. Uh, RE, MLS Expansion. Since the most recent three teams have been Eastern Conference, do you feel... Uh, that will impact location of the next two. Will they have to be out west? Uh, which cities get new clubs? No, I mean, cause cause what they'll do then is they'll just shift. Uh, you know, they'll shift existing clubs out there. I mean, remember like Kansas City, for example, used to be in the Eastern Conference, and they move them out west. Um, you know, it's not ideal, uh, and they're in the center of the country anyway. They got to fly any, everywhere anyway, but um, you know, they'll they'll just do a shift instead of you know strategically, you know, making their decision based on geography versus money. You know. Um, any guess how the schedule plays out when mls gets to 28 clubs even longer season um yeah I'd have to look more into that but i, I don't like going anywhere any more than 34. i mean if you uh if you have 14 clubs in each conference that means you'd have 13 conference rivals so if you did 13 home and 13 away against each of them that would be 26 plus 13 from the other conference would be 39. Um, so I don't know yeah I mean that's going to be an issue I, I don't like I, I liked back in the day when it was the the balance schedule you know because the supporter shield was a legit trophy you know you played Vancouver home and away you played LA home and away and it just um, and you had more opportunities for those like LA New York games that are easy to market and, and work well on TV Uh, Kyle says I'd love to ask something relevant but I have nothing Oh, thanks, thanks Branson uh, so, who is your favorite Wu Tang member as a solo artist? Uh, you know, it's probably Ghostface or the Jizza. Uh, Liquid Swords, I would say, is probably my favorite Wu Tang solo um, album. Supreme Clientele, I think, would be number two. Um, you know, Cuban Lynx is a great album too, but that's like half Ghostface and half Raekwon anyway. I, I think Liquid, I think Liquid Swords is the best solo album. But I think Supreme, uh, or but I think Ghostface, you know, has has a better body of work, um, you know, out outside of uh, the, the Wu Tang albums. Uh, Ryan says, will this team ever stop sucking? Or more seriously, what would it take for them to finally move on from Curtain? Also, do you think three five two is the best setup for this team? I know that's a lot. So thanks for another pod. Thank you for another podcast, No, thank you for listening. Um, will they ever stop sucking? Uh, probably not. Um, I mean like I said with Sean, I think, you know, if a new GM comes in and they don't win the open cup or they don't make the playoffs, I think that's probably it for Jim. Uh, if, if not now then, then then when, right, you know? And three five two, I mean I just I've always liked playing three five two, um, because it just gives you a lot of flex. You know, you can you can go from three to four to five in the back uh you know the the weak side wing back can pull back and give you that four man back line or you know your defensive midfielder can drop in and play as another center back while your while your LCB and your RCB kind of push up field it just gives you a lot of different ways to do a lot of different things and, and that's what we played with uh South phil United when we were really good in Casa and we won a couple of uh of the Kelly Cup championships uh, I played wing back and I was kind of shitty uh when I played for uh or South Philly, but I was more of like a center back in D mid anyway. I wasn't used to playing on the wings. Wing back's really hard to play, uh, but I think I think we in in Keegan Rosenberry you, you have that for sure. Uh, Fabinho can play that. Uh, I don't think Regiattis is a wing back, but Matty Real might be able to play wing back too. And uh, you know, if if you're looking at like a Mark McKenzie, a Jack Elliott, and a uh, you know an Austin Trusty, that's really not a, a bad back three. Everybody always says that like like why would you add another center back? Uh, to your to your starting lineup. But I don't think of it as adding another center back because really it's just three defenders. You know, the wingbacks really are like hybrids, you know. So don't think of it as having five defenders. Having, having think, of, think of going 3-5-2 as actually taking a defender away. Uh, anyway, Dickie Moe says, is Noguera hitting the post uh, the most heartbreaking moment in Union history? Yeah, it's up there. It's up there with the missed penalties too. Uh, Mike says, do you uh, think with a new sporting director – uh, rumors. May, do you think with the new sporting director, the rumors may open up? Also, are we really not going to do anything this window? No, I mean they're not going to do anything this window because Ernie like, probably doesn't give a shit. He's out to his new job anyway. Um, and yeah, I think I think communication will be a lot a lot loose after Ernie leaves. You know, I mean you know, nobody's protecting Jim anymore. Um, you know, and you remember how things were bef- before Ernie showed up. You know, communications were very loose. Everybody was talking about everything. You know, getting scoops was was a lot easier back then because of just, uh, you know, everybody, there was discord internally and that makes people talk. And when everybody's buttoned up and on the same page and things are going well, like the beginning of 2016, then nobody has a reason to to talk. But if they were smart, they'd learn how to do controlled, controlled leaks uh, to local media or, or even like Taylor Twelman or something just to keep, keep the team relevant, you know, like uh, other teams are very good at that. Like if the Phillies do something big, the Eagles know how to keep themselves in the, the public spotlight you know what i mean it's a it's a push and pull i don't think the union play that um with ernie i just don't think he's a, he's he's for it i just think fundamentally he's against that uh let's see dylan says it's obvious that the union need a pure striker with the actual talent sapong and jay simpson need to go why won't they make the necessary moves and sign one i mean it's a million dollar question man if i <laughs> we've been asking for that for years um jay simpson really was a huge miss i mean I, they just thought he was going to be the next bradley wright phillips and he wasn't you know, now you're stuck with three guys who really aren't good enough. So, Craig says does Curtin's knife to a gunfight quote apply to talent on the sidelines too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, it does. You know, because because Jay Sugarman's not going to, uh, you know, go sp- go spend uh, five hundred thousand dollars on a Tata Martino or uh, more of a scouting department too. So obviously, everybody. And Nixikavich said it straight up. I mean, he wa- he wanted Jim Curtin to learn a little bit under Rene Muenstein or uh, you know one of these other foreign coaches that he was interested in bringing in. So I, I don't, you know, they're operating with the knife to a gunfight thing at, at, at most levels of the club for sure. And uh, Mike says um, the goalkeeper said they allegedly bought all of the discretionary tam this off season. Where the fuck is it being used? Is it being used? Yeah, they use it on a com, I and mean, most of that was a com, yeah. Uh, definitely doesn't seem like they give a shit about making move. This window does it actually exist or was that lip service? No, it existed. It just that was David Akam and that was uh, who the hell else did they bring in? They they did a didn't they buy somebody else down? I want to say so that they didn't have the penalty. God, I can't remember. Um, is it possible to have less than zero urgency? Is negative urgency a thing? No, it's not possible because then like the mathematicians come at you and they're like, well, that means you know technically it's infinity or something like that or it's undefined or whatever. I tried to do a Ben Simmons joke saying that he had like an assistant. He had like 15 assists and like zero turnovers one game and uh, 15 divided by zero in my calculator on my phone. It said infinity. So I said he had an infinity turnover ratio and some like some dumbass math teacher like emailed me. He was like, just to let you know, it's not infinity. It's actually undefined. So thanks for that. Big Mac says how many days until Chris Albright is named earnings replacement? Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Mark Zercher says uh, any indication as to Ernie's replacement, his last day is coming up soon. No, I don't think they replace, I don't think they replace him this year. I mean, they'll probably just, you know, well, they're not going to have to make any other move. Like what moves do they have to make? You know, the the next transfer window is not coming up for a while. I I mean, I guess you just like let Chris Albright scout and you bring a new person in and he has some ideas and, you know, Albright has some ideas and Curtin has some ideas and then you, i don't know you patch it together from there uh lay tooper assume you're the new sporting director at the same sources that ernie stewart was provided with what do you do for next season uh, serious and not so serious responses are acceptable well you dump jay simpson i think you decline didn't cj is cj have like a team option or something for this year i can't remember how they extended him or whatever if cj has an option you decline him um you try to, you know, I don't know, maybe, like, you move on from Fabi from and some other guy. I think you just shed as much weight as you can and, you know, see what you got in the pipeline, if nothing else. And then you you have – if if you sign Do- – if Doge calls your guy and you want to sign him um, permanently and try to make his loan a permanent thing, there's, there's going to be money going there. There's money going to striker too. Um, but, I mean, otherwise, that's really what you need more than anything is a striker. And then if you bring Dogecall back, I mean, this team would be something legit if they had a, if they had a decent striker. They'd at least be a fifth-place team for sure. Uh, JT says, blame is usually placed on Sugarman for not spending. Uh, what experience does Albright bring to the role? It seems limited. You know Ernie's experiences were with the Dutch league. How can Sugarman trust either of those guys with cash? There's no proof to date that they can ID a quality player. That's true. I mean, remember Chris was just sort of thrown into the role because they had nobody else and they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Uh, not that it was fair to him, but it's not like he's going to turn that job down at the same time. So I think that when Ernie came here, Chris did a lot of, like, helping with the scouting and, like, back-end stuff. Like, here's how all the bullshit MLS rules work. You know, here's what TAM is. Here's what GAM is. Here's, you know, a homegrown. Here's a this and here's a that. I think he does a lot of the contract stuff, contact with agents. Um, so we're just, like, a number two for Ernie. I think he just sort of helps in whatever whatever role he can, he can do. I mean, it's like these basketball teams that just have, like, cap guys, right? Yeah, it's important, you know, cap, contracts, years, you know, salary, uh, options, not option. Like, you know, think of him as a translator almost for for year number one when Ernie came in. And I'm sure his role probably shifted a bit as as Ernie figured it out, you know. Uh, John says, does the union receiving the lowest priority for hosting the final essentially eliminate them from the Open Cup? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, they'll probably beat Chicago. They have four home games in a row to get to the final, which is a joke. Uh, and then they'll have to go on the road and probably lose and be the and be the underdog if they make it to the final. So yeah, uh, Paul says, is there anyone on the Union roster with any trade value? Uh, not counting players you have to keep like Blake, uh, Rosenberry, Derek Jones, maybe. Um, I mean, maybe the the homegrown players, but you're not going to trade the homegrown players. You you would prefer to sell them to Europe, obviously. Uh, I I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of trade value for anybody on this team clint says would you be all right with josh harris buying the team and renaming it crystal palace philadelphia as long as he actually spent money on players yeah listen josh harris can name the team the fighting philadelphia bimbos for all i care uh you know if, if he turns it into a legit club it's fine with me john mansoor is it time to break up the young center back pairing um for what reason to get like a veteran in there to to get Jack Elliott on the field or get Richie Marquez on the field I mean I I know they're having growing pains I know they're making mistakes um but I'm I you know I don't I don't know if if breaking up that pairing then really moves things forward I mean I ideally you know that's a pairing that can be pretty solid for the next couple years you know until you sell one of them or both of them so no I don't think so I still think this team would be would be decent enough if the offense was holding up its side of the bargain remember they can't score goals so do you think, uh, this is from Mike, he says, do you think that if anyone else besides Wenger was taking that penalty, uh, we would have won the game? Uh, this is the U.S. Open Cup final, I guess. Yeah, but remember, Marisa do missed a penalty too. Um, so good figure. Fear and loathing in Chester, PA. Considering the Open Cup semifinals being the following Wednesday, what should the starting lineup against Portland be? Well, I mean, it should be all reserves. It should be Derek Jones. It should be Matt don't uh, Bring Fabian Herberts back up from Bethlehem. Uh, don't, yeah, don't. I mean I just think you go for it. I, I can see the writing on the wall, you know. The schedule's tough from here on out. I don't I don't see them if they get to the playoffs I don't see them being competitive in the playoffs. So I think everybody with any kind of sense would probably say you gotta prioritize the open cup. It's just like twenty fourteen, it's just like twenty fifteen all over again. Ombre hombre says, "Does the young talent in Jones, Rosenberry, Fontana, Trusty, McKenzie, and Rayon make this team more competitive and relevant over the next few years? I don't think they can bring this team to where it can compete for a playoff spot or a trophy, especially since the front office won't help. Uh, no, I mean in a word, no. I, I, I've said before, I don't, I don't think that just homegrown talent can get you there. I mean, I think it's a, com- it's necessary, uh, but it's a compliment for, uh, for everything else that you have to do. I think I've used the example like four thousand times on the podcast, but Manchester United, you know, gigs, Butt, Skulls." Neville, Neville, and Beckham. You know, they still needed Roy Keane and Dennis Irwin, you know, on that team. So, um, I'm going to keep defaulting to that unless somebody gives me another team, uh, that I can use as a reference. But think about like Ajax a couple years ago went to the Europa League final and everybody was like, oh, yay. Like all the youth development people, like, uh, what's that whatever the hell that guy's name is that annoying guy from that one website who always gets retweeted he's like yeah the Ajax is doing things the right way and then Ajax went out and lost like two nothing to a bunkering manchester united team so what did they win they won shit they didn't win anything um manchester united went out and spent you know millions of dollars on players and they won a trophy so and all ix came back with was a feel-good story about youth development which doesn't win you silverware so Mark, Mark Milnes says, who's the favorite to win this year's, uh, international champions cup. Uh, who gives a flying fuck? I think, but I, I appreciate, I don't think he was being serious with that. So I think he'll appreciate that answer. Uh, EJ says, I think I'm going to start trying to figure out how many MLS coaches have coached as long as Curtin has for one team and had a worse record. Um, I think Ben Olsen is the only one, um, or at least currently active. Um, Back in the old days of MLS, I'm sure, like, Steve Nickel had some shitty years, but I think he won enough in the years prior that it probably is a wash. That's actually a good question. It's worth researching. Maybe I can get uh, Zeitlin to do 10,000 words on that for The Athletic. Eric says, I know it's tough, but any possibility of staying positive about the team? No, not really. Uh, We know they're mostly crap and need $8 million for number nine, but the constant negativity is a bummer. Well, it is. I mean, of course it is. I mean you know, go back to this winter. D- Dave and I didn't do a podcast for like three months because there really wasn't anything to talk about. And we, we you know, we wanted to just see what they did in the off season and uh, try to be positive about it and try to like look for good things to talk about and, and try to, um you know, not be negative all the time and like, tr- and, and not make people want to turn off the podcast halfway through. I mean, nobody wants to listen to this team sucks and that team sucks. And this, this guy sucks and that guy sucks. But I mean, it's, that's the reality. You know, they, they gave that to us again when they started out with like one win in their first five or six games. So, and then when you see it year after year, it's like diminishing returns or, or it's like, uh, I don't know if diminishing returns is the right word, but I think you're, it's, it's easier to jump off the ledge because, uh, You've been you're you're close to it already. Like you're not fully back on the band. It's easier to get off the bandwagon again because you're not really fully back on it. You know, I I think that's what you're seeing with like the Phillies this year, because their first place. Reese Hoskins looks like a player. Aaron Noel looks like a player. Adubel Herrera is underrated, but people aren't like like totally bought in yet. You know, which is why I think you see some people waffling and saying, "Well, I don't really know." It's the same with the union. Like once they prove that they're there, then it'll be all positive again. But I think it's very easy to be negative because people just people just don't trust them yet. You know what I mean? Pat H says, "Is it possible the winning the Open Cup could be bad for the franchise? You know, give Curtin more of a leash?" Yeah, I mean this is what I was, we mentioned this. I, I I think there's some truth to that. You know, people saying, "Well, you know, everything's good. You know, and Jim Curtin's a great coach, and we does he deserves another chance to go forward." When you could put a fair asterisk on it that they won four home games to get there, but b- beating L.A. in L.A. or beating Houston in Houston is not anything to, to bat an eye last year. I mean that'd be a, a very appropriate and a very successful uh, lifting of a trophy. You know, sure you could put you could put the asterisk on it absolutely, but I but I don't. But but the truth will be then you're you're judging you're you're making a determination on the future based on a five game stretch. Uh, in the middle of one season. I, I, it's the sample size of it. Just to, to me, doesn't justify making a decision on your, on your whole future. You know, um, Vince asked a similar question, so I'll skip it. Um, George says we're going to get sporting director, Chris Albright, aren't we? <laughs> I think I already read that one, but I don't know. Um, all right. That's all I got from everybody. That was good. Cause I only really gave everybody like an hour to, uh, to get the questions in today. Um, episode number 53, Thanks to Sean Brace for coming on. Listen to the Union Soccer Podcast uh, with Joe Tanzi and Ryan Ellis. And uh, I'll be back with Dave uh, hopefully sometime next week. Baxter, actually, I didn't introduce him, but he's here. Uh, Once again, he's sleeping under the desk. So for Sean Brace and
1: Baxter, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. See you next time.